This is Strange Assembly, episode 211, The Conflicts of Rokugan. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Jay Earl. Hello. And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. Today we are continuing our, I guess not quite once a week since this is several days late, late look at the Legend of the Five Rings LCG from Fantasy Flight. You can check out more of our coverage about the L5R LCG at strangeassembly.com along with our other reviews and such. You can subscribe to the podcast there on iTunes or in the podcast section of Google Play Music or Stitcher. So the other week we got our article on the dynasty phase of the turn and this week on May 3rd we got an article titled The Conflicts of Rokugan about uh, how the you know conflict phase works. Shocking, shocking. Oh. We also got a, a little bit of information leakage from Spain where a distributor this this is actually not uncommon that information comes out this way there was i think it was a spanish distributor who was you know had some information up about the nature of the product that gave us a little bit more information but i guess if we look at the conflicts of of rokugan article I guess the, the conflicts in this, to some extent, the way that the timing works seems to be sort of obvious based on what they said before and, and based on how Fantasy Flight does all of their other timing yeah. things in their games. But maybe everyone hasn't played multiple other LCGs, right? You take first player goes first. You take turns declaring conflicts. You can declare politics or military. You choose a ring when you declare the conflict. The attacker wins ties. Whoever wins the conflict claims the ring. If the attacker is the one who won, they also get the benefit of the ring. And in addition to that, they break the province if they not just won, but exceeded the defender by an amount equal to the strength of the province. And the whole while that this is going on, although they don't say this explicitly, it's it's clear from the way they talk and the way that some of the cards are phrased. There are going to be a series of action windows, so it will be the conflict phase starts, and then there's an action window, and then someone yeah. will declare a conflict, and then there's an action window, and then you'll go into the conflict, and then there will be a series of actions, and then between that conflict and the next conflict, there will be another action window. Do you have any reason to think it's not going to work like that, based on what they've said, Jay? No, I mean, looking at uh, one of the previewed cards, Pacifism... I don't know how that card works if they don't have action windows hanging out. Yeah, and that's a Phoenix-specific attachment, which it's a drawback. You play on a character, presumably an opposing character. Presumably. Yes, which says that they can't participate in military conflicts anymore, but it says that it cannot be played during a conflict, presumably to avoid the extreme obnoxiousness of I attack, and after I've already committed to the attack, you just poof remove me permanently from any attacks not just that but the confusion of what it would it mean would be i cannot participate in a military conflict but hey i'm already in a military conflict what happens what, what happens do? so we 
we did learn a little bit mechanically, but I think a lot of what we learned relates more to just seeing more of cards. One other mechanical thing that I don't think anybody predicted was, so there's the whole claiming the rings thing. In the cleanup phase, you get you add fate to whichever rings aren't claimed, so they're now juicier for future claiming. Yes, that was definitely something that had not been... I had not heard anyone speculate about. That's not necessarily a lot, right? Because there are, if four conflicts are declared, it seems like four rings would be claimed, right? Yes. So if people are doing the full set of attacks, and I have no idea how often that will happen or not, then you could have four sets of rings claimed. The mere fact that of that mechanic makes me think that it will often not be four attacks a turn. But that's just kind of speculative. Yeah, it's really hard to judge, even giving us the rules, what the game will play like without seeing the cards, yeah. Yeah, or or maybe I just want my Seeker of Enlightenment to be better, you know. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's one of these, it's not a mechanical thing, but from the cards, they, they showed the full cards for two of the dragon characters because those characters interact with fate on rings. Which I like because this is the first thing that we've seen where dragon interact with rings, right? It was... Mm -hmm. you, You always had this thing that clearly the people who had the broadest attachment to elements were your phoenix, right? Yes. But the clan that is always within the, you know, classic L5R that really had the most attachment to rings, especially because rings were kind of synonymous with enlightenment, was the dragon. Well, at least once the, you know, the Brotherhood of Shinsei wasn't a faction anymore. Yeah. Got absorbed up by the dragon. Uh, yeah, well, that was the, the Brotherhood of Shinsei was one of, I think it was about 14 factions, give or take, that the game had ballooned to by the end of the... Watsi era, and so yeah, when when Alderac got the property back and had that sort of long stretch and then launched Gold Edition and went back to eight and a half clans, I guess. The Brotherhood of Shinsei went away and and so for a long while monks had not been a dragon thing. When the game first launched, there were no, there was no such thing as a monk. Tattooed man was not a monk, was he? No, no. He he later got MRP'd, I believe, to be a monk. I think the first monk was... Was it like the Laughing Monk from Shadowlands? I mean, so we're talking like the first expansion that there's a character with that. But yeah, Tagashi Mitsu, the iconic Tagashi tattooed man at the beginning of the game, was just a sam- He just had the samurai trait. See, I'm look. I'm already, I'm already in the LCG terms. He had a keyword. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a trait in the LCG. And then the Brotherhood of Shinsei was introduced, and they were the big monk faction. And they had the ring interaction. My favorite dragon stronghold ever was House of Dao, which was a reprint of a Brotherhood of Shinsei stronghold. And that it lets you to start with the ring in play, which was had all was all sorts of fun. Yeah, all sorts. Go water monks. Yes. Hoshi Chuichi. That guy was pretty good. 
<laughs> uh, what was he? It's sad. This is this is what takes up my brain. Says, let's see. He was he a two four for seven contributed force when bowed, but he also got like plus two plus two when bowed or something goofy like that. He was kind of ridiculous. And this was when you could move guys into multiple, and he a guy could participate in multiple battles per turn. Right. So you could like crack three provinces with him if you got lucky. <laughs> uh, anyhow. But certainly since that time, the the, right, the 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 tattooed monk was always a an iconic part of the Dragon Clan. It just was not initially mechanically tagged as monk. But since the the Brotherhood went away, them being definitionally monks has been a very emph- emphatic part of the Dragon Clan, and the attachment to the elemental rings has been as well. And up to this point we had really only heard about interaction with the rings in the context of the Phoenix clan's ability to do things like control which ring, what, what the ring for a battle was. Right. There's a character who gets bonuses to uh, military and political skill for each fate that's on an unclaimed ring. And that's a, that's a very interesting and, and specific thing when you think about the the next guy who has an ability who lets you spend a fate to an unclaimed ring. That's kind of an awkward phrasing to me. Spend one fate to an unclaimed ring, which I presume means, you know... From your pool onto a ring. It's just a little... Wordy. Odd. But still, I'm happy to see ring interaction. And then the Tagashi Initiate, it references honor this character, so now we know more about how honoring and dishonoring work. We do. There's even in one of these pictures a little preview of the honored status card. Should I just crow about nailing that one? Or uh, should I wait and see just in case I'm wrong? Crow about what? That it's a card to do it? To yeah, well, right, because that was, that was my speculation about why you would theoretically need a different size of sleeve. True, yeah. Although I was kind of picturing it as something that slotted on the side, but still, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. I <laughs> I need what I can to to you know inflate my fragile ego. But it, it's also right. Th- there is, it does appear to be what we were talking about it being, which is that there is a default neutral state. Right in in classic L five R, personalities were by default honorable, and then they could become dishonorable. Here the character can be nothing or it can be honored or it can be dishonored now we only have the honor thing pictured here i suspect that you can flip the card over and the other side is going to say dishonored as we knew there's a bonus to the military and political skill based on their glory if they're honored but the honor that you gain for them fading out or dying or whatever they do is only one. I think we had thought the way that it had been phrased before, like it might be you gain honor equal to their glory, and that's not the case. But that means there's a point to honoring and dishonoring the people with zero glory. So, Yes, that is a good point. I would suspect, we don't know, but I would suspect that on the dishonored side, it probably just says you lose minus one. Yeah, the exact opposite. Let's see, we learned that there's an effect for a province being broken, which is that it, it it's not a big one, but at the end of every turn, you have to discard the card that's in a broken province, so you can't, if you have a big personality that you don't, you didn't get now, but you need to get them at some other point, then 
they go away. And if you had a holding sitting there, it will go away. It refills so you don't lose your production, but you can't store it. Off the top of my head, the sort of game strategy consequence of that is that it it means that like in classic L5R, you can target a province that has an important card in it in order to prevent your opponent from, in the case of a character, being able to buy it next turn, or in the case of a holding, being able to use it. You know, continue to use its abilities. I don't know. Was there is there anything else you thought was particularly noteworthy or exciting? Either you know a specific card or any mechanical tweaks from this conflicts article. Well, they also explained the uh, imperial favor that we were. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. That slipped four. out of my head. And how does the imperial favor work? So it looks like it's kind of like the Game of Thrones. I forget what Game of Thrones calls that now, but. You sum up the glory of all your people who are still standing, add in how many rings you've managed to claim for the turn, and that decides who's going to get the favor. And then it, you, when you grab it, you get to choose, is it going to be giving you a bonus to your military next turn or a bonus to your court next turn? And it looks like there's other things that are going to interact with it, too. Yeah, they give the example of the Otomo courtier who... She cannot be declared as a participant in a conflict against a player who has the Imperial favor. Mm-hmm. I think there were some other... Are there a couple of Phoenix cards in here, or just the uh, pacifism that we got to see? I know there was the Solemn Scholar as well. Yeah, which is another interesting one. Since he he's interacting with rings that you have already laid claim to, I seem to recall the previous Phoenix preview was based on what ring is currently in contention. Yeah, that was the guy who, right, if you if it was a fire conflict, his ability was enhanced? Yes. Whereas this one is, if it, if you've already claimed the Earth Ring, you can bow an attacking person, which seems to be fairly strong. Yeah, there was a lot of bowing in the previews. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the young rumor monger for the, the Scorpion, I thought was a... I, I don't know if it's a potent effect or not but it seems like an important effect to have yeah. out there right away is that there's oh, there's already a way to sort of retarget honoring and dishonoring yes no that definitely definitely seems like it'll be important scorpion person yes i mean i'd, I'd wonder if if nothing else he'll let you be like oh you want to honor somebody why don't you honor that already honorable guy does nothing hmm i'm guessing no yeah, that's most of the time that would just be interrupt negate the honoring, which doesn't right. seem to be what he's aiming for. One would assume, but yeah, I I hope that you know they get an FAQ out and clarify that. You know, once the game actually releases. Yes, yes. Once, well, because the actual right. I mean, we we think about this in terms of the Gen Con release, but that's right. just going to be a very limited release uh, you know as as much product as they try to get in for that it's nothing compared to what they'll chip out of what a couple months later for the the big release the real in-store release yeah exactly so in addition to the conflict article like we mentioned earlier we got that sort of uh, release of of information which just is is listing the box contents literally but one can then you know, use it to figure out things about 
and how many different cards each clan has and what the structure of, of what's in the box is. Like, I mean, some things are obvious. There are seven strongholds. Oh, oh my gosh. On the one hand, that's not at all surprising. On the other hand, that is confirmation that there's not like a Shadowlands stronghold that they're not telling us about or some sort of weird neutral stronghold or anything, which, you know, down the line may show up, but not in the base set. Yes, I would have been shocked if they had put something like that in the base set. There are, I mean, I guess this is right, sort of understandable. That is one of the things about an LCG compared to a, a CCG. There's a relatively low card pool. Mm-hmm. It's not that pronounced at this point, but it, you know, it becomes more so. Although apparently, like over a Netrunner, they're all like, please rotate faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The card pool isn't as big, but partially that's because there isn't as much chafe. Yeah, you don't have the junk cards to make some room. Yeah. yeah. So, like, with the provinces, right, you have to play with five different provinces. There are a total of 17. So there's one clan-specific province, and then uh, it looks like two neutrals for each clan. My assumption with the provinces is you probably have to bring one of each element province. Uh- yeah, I'm sorry, did I say two neutrals for each clan or something like that? Yes. Two neutrals yeah. for each ring. Right. My bad. So, yeah, I bet that is, you basically have two choices in each ring, except your clan gives you a third choice in one of the rings. I will be sad for the clan, because there's going to be one of them, but I, I suspect that most of them are going to be, you just totally want to use the your clan province for that mm-hmm. ring, and there's going to be some clan that's going to be like, ugh. Nah, let's use the neutral one. Also, the I can choose between my clan's one that's pretty good, or just the generic in this element is really strong. It's not that my clan's province is that good, but man, the other yeah. Earth provinces are terrible. Yay, I get one that's decent. <laughs> <laughs> there's 117 dynasty cards, so that's character. as far as we know, that's characters and holdings. Right. There are 98 conflict cards, and then there's a bunch of tokens and status things that we knew about, and who cares? There's an Imperial Favor card. Well, duh. Yeah. But there's also this reference to five personality cards. And what on earth is that? Right? Because I mean, we already have character cards that are the same thing as what personalities used to be in classic L5R. The speculation I've seen is that it's like with how Game of Thrones does its multiplayer, where you have the roles you can take that help define who you're going to be interacting with on a given turn, that that is a similar multiplayer type thing that they have not told us about yet. Hmm. That could work, and that would be interesting in that there has been a a non-trivial amount of griping from some people, when when Fantasy Flight's announced was explicitly, this is a one-versus-one LCG. Right. It's kind of interesting, because I... My, my sort of initial gut response to that is, like, are you kidding me? L5R was a one-on-one game. Yes. L5R has always gone wacky when it goes multiplayer. It, yeah, I mean, when they, they finally made the specialty products, like War of Honor and Siege, those were good multiplayer, but just generic free-for-all L5R multiplayer was terrible. Yeah. But 
I mean, the fact that I don't really think of people playing, it probably has something to do with the fact that that's inherently not a tournament scene sort of play, or even adjacent to the tournament scene for for L5R. And and it is certainly the case that in the original L5R, there was, I, I believe, like right from the beginning in the base rules, there are there was the concept of allying something mm-hmm. that was exclusively a multiplayer concept. There are cards for L5R that do literally nothing if you're not in a multiplayer game. So I'm not at all surprised that it's primarily focused at being a one-on-one. I don't have too much sympathy position, but I actually, I mean, I have some like, okay, old L5R was was designed to be multiplayer playable, but that's interesting. Like that theory would be, well... When they, the point of them saying one versus one is that it's not a cooperative LCG. Right. And in tournaments, it's going to be one versus one. So yeah, I mean, that's that's the speculation I've seen as to what those personality cards are. I'm not sure what else. I mean, the only other thought would be their sensei, effectively. Sensei seems like a... Uh, you can see the sensei thing, but that would be... That feels like weird to layer on top of it right from the get-go. Yeah, exactly. And more than that, it feels like the type of thing they would be talking about by now. Not we're speculating about what these cards are. That's interesting. I wonder what the what their their strategy is because obviously they've got their marketing thing down to do. Like I think they would have noticed by now that there are people griping that it doesn't support multiplayer. And so they could I wonder if they could they would move up an article about that or something because they don't they don't really engage with social stuff. I mean, right? They have a forum. They don't post there. Right. They don't post on BGG or anything like that. They aren't searching out that that sort of interaction. But I think that they do pay attention to it. Right. You see the whole like last time where there were some little goofs or lacks of clarity in the dynasty article and when people pointed those out on the forum they magically got fixed <laughs> yeah no i think ffg from everything i've seen they don't talk much but they listen yes they they're perhaps they have they have learned true wisdom <laughs> <laughs> might be listening right now so out of all of this mess of info that we've got the little bits and pieces uh, which part did you find most exciting? Of course, my my clan getting some cards out of it <laughs> and getting to speculate on that. Because yeah, I mean, most of what we the conflict phase is you know what we speculated on. Oh, I will say that adding, I think adding the fate to unclaimed rings is a very interesting mechanic. Definitely rewards your deck for being able to go different things rather than just be like every turn I'm going to pick air because that's the best for my deck all the time ever and air 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 giving you some actual reward for like well this turn I'm going to be water yeah mm, I bet there are going to be decks that just go air every oh, single time anyway I'm, I'm sure there will be but <laughs> It's interesting to me that they've already thought about that and that there are mechanics in there to reward you for not just staying in the same rut every single turn to 
actually pay attention to the board state and, hey, maybe this turn Void is actually the one to grab when it hasn't been for the last three turns because now it's built up some. Yeah, I guess it'll be interesting to see how the relative strength of those rings plays out, but they're all really good. Or or at least, I I mean, they seem that way. (laughs) Gain two honor in a game where, right, the crane and the lion have to, the lion have to get like 13 honor to win the game? Gain two honor or take one from your opponent. Yeah. Now, if I'm sitting against an honor deck, that might be just as valuable or more valuable than gaining two of my own. Yeah, Earth, draw a card, and your opponent discards a random card. Always good, yes. I, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, card advantage wins games. Isn't that some sort of saying? Yeah, I think I've heard that from the Magic people, yes. Well, and if you think about what your primary way of drawing cards costs you honor, too, so... Yeah. Yeah, so in some ways, Earth and Air are both gaining you honor just in different ways. I suppose if I had to choose one, Fire might be the one that's not as automatically, intrinsically powerful, because it, it's variable, but... Fire is the one that your deck has to care about, but I also feel like Fire is also the one that is might be, based on board state, the most valuable one to grab. Never mind things like the honor loss or anything. If you have a character with two glory, or your opponent has a character with two glory, that's a free just beating to their skills or massive boost to yours. This is have we seen a printed skill of higher than three yet? I don't think we have. No, not printed. I've, we've seen ways to get above three, but nothing printed there. No. It, yeah, well, I think the, the Jade Tetsubo like if you plus three. <laughs> eesh. It was expensive, too. You're paying as much for an attachment as you'd normally pay for a whole personality. But... It also have a kill ability on it as well, so... Yeah, yeah. It. Yeah, it was, it was good. I, it, it will be interesting to see how the flow of the efficiency of all of these things works out, right? I mean, it's... You no longer have a delay in attacking. Right. So, you know, buying personalities and buying attachments both happen both happen right now. The personalities you got to show a little bit more in advance. What's the the relative worth of attachments versus characters? And does that how does that fluctuate based on what kind of card draw you have? Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting question as we get into the game. How much fate can you just do do you need to spend on getting the bodies out there? versus how much do you have to keep for the for your conflict cards although there are there are zero fate cost conflict cards i'm going to presume that we're not going to launch with some sort of situation where you can plan on just dumping all of your fate into bringing out bodies and and keeping them around for multiple turns you're really going to need to hold stuff back for tricks yeah, that does not seem like a winning plan, no. Yeah. But then the the other rings are... I mean, water will always let you ready a character. So if you if you have somebody who got bowed down, possibly from resolution in an earlier conflict, you can bring them back up to use. What's that? You can, you can use water to get Moto Chagatai to attack two, twice in one turn? <laughs> yes, or to 
or or if Chagatai is about to fade out, you can say, you know what, Chagatai, you don't need to attack I, I, at all this turn. Then that may be particularly potent against a lopsided opponent's board position. Here, here's my political attack. You got squat for political there, Lion. So <laughs> I guess your biggest military guy is going to sit down. Yeah. And then Void, choose a character and remove a fate from it. That, yeah. It's huge. And then, <laughs> of course, you could do crazy things like, oh, I'm Unicorn, I'm going to uh, attack on Void, remove a fate from your guy, and then play my, hey, I'm Unicorn, I'm attacking again immediately, attack on Water, bow the guy. Not only is he going to die at the end of this turn, but he's not doing anything this turn. Ha ha ha. Although... I mean, he probably defends then, right, before you have a chance to bow him? Presumably, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're entirely speculating. And the way that they did the timing, you cannot... You you don't bow from the battle until after you claim the ring. So you cannot straighten someone or they're, they're, you ready them now, right? Right. So in old L5R, character, you bowed a character... Uh, and then the character was either bowed or unbowed. In this, you right, you bow a character or you ready a character. And then a character is either bowed or standing. Is that right? As far as I can tell, yes. Isn't that, is that the terminology that they use in Game of Thrones 2, standing and kneeling? I believe so. You know, hmm. I wonder if that was a slip. In the article, could be. The text of the ring says that you ready the character, mm-hmm. and then there's during the reprieve phase when you're figure at the end when you're figuring out who gets the imperial favor. Like it says, each character remaining in a player's home area is readied, but then when it's talking about the favor, it's the only place I think that it talks about standing is that is when it gives the example. It talks about the character like. Uh, the crowd player having two claimed rings and one standing glory. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that like was just somebody thinking the Agot term in uh, instead of, hmm. Well, I could say what I'm most excited about learning out, but it's obviously that I got little man- mechanical insight into my dragon, so that, you know, duh, <laughs> duh, that's yeah. what I was interested in. Duh. We're all surprised. Yes. It was cool to know what the Imperial Favor actually does. Yes. Because they were all secretive about it before. Yes, and it's an interesting uh, mechanic for it to do now, yeah. Although, the one thing I do wonder, and maybe I just didn't miss it, is what happens in a tie who get what happens to it? Me. Oh, okay. There you go. It's actually in the rule book. You give it to Chris. And then, you know, next Gen Con, suddenly... Chris has like 40 Imperial Favor plus military going. He's unstoppable. Yes, it, it not only do I get it, but I get to keep it forever. <laughs> All of the Emperors favor me. Hante 1 through 38. Bam. Excellent. Okay. It seems like we're going to get an article every Wednesday from now until Gen Con or something like that. At some point, we're going to start getting clan specific articles, I, I believe. I'm okay with this plan, yes. If there is multiplayer, I'd like to hear about that, because there's clearly a lot of folks interested in that. Mm-hmm. 
any final thoughts on the conflicts of Roku Genjai? Uh, there's going to be a lot of them. Yes. And even though we're going to be running around like, not in the face, not in the face, uh, I bet the lion are not going to listen to us there. <laughs> well, you you don't have to say not in the face, right? See, you the pacifism isn't you saying not in the face. It's It's him saying, I don't want to hit you in the face anymore. I've learned yes. my lesson. Yes. You know, I do have one one final question. That there are right, there's there's of course always a contingent of folks who really really loved Enlightenment and Victories, which does not seem to be part of this. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, there seemed to be a good chunk of people who went straight from well, it's possible to claim four rings in a turn, <laughs> so shouldn't they just have some card that lets you claim the fifth ring, so and then you can get an Enlightenment victory? Well, technically, they never say that the claim, claimed rings go back to the claim unclaimed pool, so I could just uh, claim it over two turns. But, but don't when you declare a conflict, don't you have to choose an unclaimed ring? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that was an oversight in the article, not in the rules. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's not a rule book, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> I was just wanted to get your sort of take on that speculation because I or that hope or because my my kind of response was that I get that you want enlightenment guys but that is there's no way they're doing um, that yeah well especially since if you if you think about that at at that point it's not an enlightenment victory it's a mercy killing <laughs> <laughs> yeah not only did I make two successful conflicts against you but you made two failed conflicts against me yeah. in one turn. <laughs> like you, you, you just got your butt kicked up and down the yes. the, the board yeah. this turn. Like it's like just give it up, man. Just give it up. Here, here. Let me put you out of your misery. <laughs> uh. Well, we will see you again next week to talk about more Legend of the Five Rings LCG. You have been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. We are also on the usual social media sites, facebook.com slash strangeassembly and at strangeassembly on Twitter. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast or individually down other epi- download other episodes, you can do that on our website. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that at the uh, Google Play Store. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I'm Chris at strangeassembly.com. I always love to hear comments, critiques, uh, and criticism. I'm going to put this little mention in here when none of you are listening, so I probably should have said it earlier. But in particular, I have a What Clan Am I quiz in sort of an alpha version up on the website right now. So if you want to take that and then send me any feedback you have about the questions, especially if you're someone who did not play old L5R and does not intimately familiar with the clans are, that would be really great. It does not immediately go, okay, of these seven options, that one is my clan, click. Yes. There were some people who read it and said, well, these these options are obviously X clan. Well, if it is, then maybe they're they're too obvious, but there's also the possibility that, well, maybe it's just that you know know L5R and this is not going to... Yeah. But if you want to do that, I, again, Chris at strangeassembly.com. You can also bug Jay. He's Jay at strangeassembly.com. We are super creative with our names here. Super creative with our email addresses. Yes. But until then, for Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.
I wonder if it's too late to get squeak at strangeassembly.com.